Welcome to Study Buddy, meditation philosophy for the heart of your practice. This is a live online discussion of ancient yogic texts amongst meditation practitioners in the Shambhavananda yoga tradition. My name is Acharya Satyam, a resident teacher at Konalani Yoga Ashram in Hawaii, and I welcome you with love and respect. So I'd like to begin today's class by actually looking back at our work from last week um, and just to see if there's anything people want to share uh, about their experience with it, or we can just move on to new material. But I did want to take a minute to recap a little bit of our work because um, it really sort of hit home for me and uh, it was really a practical, you know, approach to our practice. So we talked about the teaching, what you're seeing here, uh, the the Guru Gita verse that exemplifies the teaching of last week was, indeed, this too is Shiva. And, you know, it's sort of a maxim of our practice that we hear and we say and we read and we chant. And occasionally we have the opportunity to practice. Um, the idea is that though there are many forms uh, around us, manifestations of Shiva, uh, we can always rest assured that everything we're encountering, as Swami Rujananda put it on the back of his book, it should be taken in a state of perfection. It really is all Shiva. Um, and so uh, the analogy that we were given uh, last week by the text was uh, this one. Uh, because, for instance, when there is fire, its energy can be for burning, cooking, or lighting a room. All these energies are owned by fire, but those energies, whether it's lightning, giving light, burning, or heating, they're undifferentiated with fire. They, these energies are not different from fire. It is just to enter into that state of fire, to put a kettle on the flame, so to speak. Uh, and it continues, uh, in the same way, the path of Shakti is to enter the, uh, the state of Shiva. So we've got all these different manifestations of Shiva all around us which could be very externalizing. It could be the opposite of what it's intended to be. It could draw you out into all these different forms. But when we apply our practice, according to the, you know, the sutras and the tantras and the teachings, all of those forms have the capacity to pull you right back to this state of being. This is the essence of the Shambhavi Mudra. This is really the essence of you know, Rudy's teachings of using your life for growth. It's going to be the essence of the dharanas when we're given these supposedly horizontal paths that take us vertically. Um, and so we talked about this and even anticipated when in our life does it feel hard to remember that this too is Shiva. Uh, we had, you know, the example given of when a crazy driver sort of cuts you off, it's pretty hard to be like, oh, yeah. That's Shiva doing this really unconscious activity. Or when uh, there are a couple of people said, when I'm having trouble waking up in the morning, uh, even, you know, to get to my cushion, to get to my seat, it's hard to be like, oh yeah, this feeling that I'm having, this is also uh, Shiva. And so there were sort of instances we were anticipating a little bit. This was a couple of weeks ago and we've had so much, you know, happen since. Um, but uh, take a moment and just sort of reflect back uh, and uh, we don't we don't have to spend time here in discussion if it doesn't uh, prove to be you know happening. But I want to give uh, give the space in case anybody wants to share about their experience of, of this teaching or even just thoughts and reflections reflections on it that are coming up for you right now. And I'm sorry if I just missed a hand, but go for it again. Okay. Yeah, Marcella. Let's double check the audio is good. Go ahead. And Yes. Um, yeah, we hear you. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought that this was really cool, especially when you were talking about, you know, just bringing it into like a situation and just saying this too is Shiva and just kind of saying that over and over to yourself because mm -hmm. that like really stuck with me. And I noticed myself like the first time I tried it, I was like, oh, this this feels like so like you know it's so like I'm doing something so external and I can't even like begin to see how this relates and mm -hmm. then like the next time I tried it I said it over and over and over again and it was like mm -hmm. yeah that, those first few times I was like oh yeah this is like 
feels so strange. And then like, as I said it over and over and over again, some more, it was like, it just brought it to like this whole other level where I was like, oh, wow. Like I can really feel how this does relate. And it was, and it was something that I just kept coming back to throughout that week after we had that class. Yeah. It just kind of kept popping up into my head to say this too is Shiva. So that was really kind of fun, natural way that it popped up. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. It's really inspiring. I definitely just want to piggyback on that and saying that for me, yeah, it, uh, it you nailed it by saying it doesn't make sense if you just say it once. It's almost like saying Om Namah Shivaya and expecting to have the benefits of mantra practice just sort of flow into you, um, which, you know, could happen. But generally, uh, you got to repeat it, you know, hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands, you know, of times um, and and then the the experience changes. And I think you nailed it with this one, because when we're encountering something really challenging, I mean, we're literally coming up against a wall, you know, and you don't get through a wall by just sort of pressing on it once, you know, or scraping at it once. It, it really is this, it takes this repetitive because every moment that tension is sort of reforming and then we have to sort of work with it in that moment and then it reforms again. And then you work with it again and it reforms again and it work with it, you know, that the way that uh, manifestation is described in that um, pulsation, that sponda. So, yeah. So, yeah, it takes like, repetitions to even feel what it is that's occurring so thank you for bringing that to light i saw i think i saw tashi's hand and then yogita fun hey can you hear me yeah cool okay yeah so with this uh what i thought about with this is well uh once a week, like for my day off, we'll go like rock climbing. And right now we're like going, you know, rock climbing at the gym uh, and you see all the holds. And I feel like uh, there's always that one hold on a challenging route. That's like, it's like, oh God, how do I use this hold? You know, it's like some little thing and you're just like, uh, can hardly grab that. I really don't like that hold. Can I just not use it? Um, and I find that 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 hold is also Shiva, and it's also like an it's an important part of it's an important part of the path up the route. Uh, so I, I think like the metaphor that I'm seeing right now is for me that all of these feelings and tensions and uh, situations like some, there's easy ones that help you get up, and then there's hard ones that you have to like chew on a little bit and learn how to use uh, through skill and precision of movement. And then there's, there's all variety of different kinds of holds. So I think the hard ones help us learn how to be dynamic in a situation. So I, I think for me, it's all like, that's all Shiva or that's all like part of the path up and like using everything to go up is the, the easiest way to get to the top. Thanks, Tashi. That was like a, a miniature uh, presentation. That was beautiful. Thank you. That was so helpful. Analogy, unpacked it, related it back. Way to go. That was just so nice. Um, yeah. You know, um, I think the analogy that you give is so fitting because uh, I'm just going to bump your picture up so I can actually see it. There you go. Is so fitting because it's like this thing you're doing is, is challenging and it's fun because it's challenging. And then you encounter something that's just a little more challenging than you want it to be. And you're like, no, not this, you know, it's like, we, we need challenge to have fun, but we're like, it's so hard for us to be like, that's a little too, I, eh, I want my fun to be exactly like this, you know, but in reality that would get boring. And then we'd be equally unchallenged. And it's just a, a really helpful analogy that one in particular because uh it really shows that like we need fiber we need these challenges to even experience this bliss you know and if we can just 
just shift our perspective a little bit, which we all are like, we're in this room because literally we are figuring this out, you know, every day, a little bit through practice to, to encounter our challenges a little bit differently than our mind might react to them, that this, another realm opens up. And, um, as you would also be able to use in that analogy, it's just because you understand that doesn't mean you can climb up the wall. Like you can understand that and be like, yeah, this is going to be a little harder than I think it's going to be. Doesn't mean you can do it. And that's another fascinating part about this process is that you can understand it. You can be on board and it still takes practice and repetition because the challenge is so real. Like the thing that gets, you know, that Marcella was repeating this to is Shiva to, you know, is uniquely challenging for her. And then I have this uniquely different challenging situation. And they're so utterly real that there's no amount of thinking that can ever change the chemistry of the situation. And so it's like, we, we have to like have this, I think that's where the warrior spirit comes in the spiritual warrior, where you are literally saying, I will be challenged. I will not always be victorious, but this is the path to growth. And like, you still proceed. And, um, you know, we're not usually in this, like, you're not climbing, you're not free soloing here. You know what I mean? It's like, there's ropes there to catch us. This isn't a truly warrior kind of setting and doesn't need to be. And that's sort of, you know, one of those things that we sort of, we, we forget about when we watch all the shows about these epic battles um, that really this can occur in a day-to-day uh, environment. Thanks, Tashi. Thanks. Yeah. I really like what you said about that. That's cool. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Great. And it's like the rope is like the, it's like the grace or something. It's like the support of the practice. So mm-hmm. falling, falling is like, you know, I, I failed, but it's also, it's, it's terrifying sometimes when you fall and then, mm-hmm. but then you can just, because of the rope, you're kind of, you stay a little bit around that level and you just try again. Mm, nice. Yeah, it's funny how even when you know there's a rope, it's still scary. And we're sitting there in our life. We're like, we know this is just a uh, a thing that I'm going through. This is not the end of the world, but it still feels so hard to do something like just acknowledge like this is occurring within the state of perfection. This is Shiva. Like, it's just still scary to do that. Scary is a weird word to relate to in that setting, but it's, the idea is there. Uh, Yogita had your hand up, and then Radharani looks like she's next. Okay. Well, I guess the way I relate to Shiva is everything, is that Shiva created everything, and then the Shiva didn't go away, that Shiva is mm. in everything, but... Mm. <laughs> And sometimes, though, it's, it's, you know, it's all covered up by all of our tensions and stuff. But uh, Shiva, because it's hard to look at some people, it's hard for me to see that um, that glass is Shiva. But we, we know that, that, you know, Shiva, Shiva is in everything. Hmm. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Right, mm-hmm. the same. I, yeah, I can I think... understand. Yeah. Okay, I can work with that. You know, um, I like that you brought up the 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 point that Shiva created everything, and it's not like Shiva's not there anymore. Like we might create something and walk away, uh, but that it's actually created. It is Shiva, and that the only the only thing is there's a, a layer of, of Maya, uh, you know, and I'm speaking from the text. I'm, you know, I don't want to sound like, Oh, the only thing keeping us from seeing Shiva is, is illusion. But according to the text, that's it. It's not like Shiva created this thing that's external to Shiva. And that's what we're living in. And we just have to remember, Oh, Shiva made this thing. It's like, no, this is literally Shiva, like all of it. And I think sometimes when we try to relate to like objects in the room, um, 
I think we have to understand that there's, uh, because there's no, like, um, there might not be a lot of like tension between you and that object per se. And so sometimes you can be like, well, I don't really feel it. And it's like, no, it's, it's going to be sort of a subtler sensation, just like how you feel, um, this potential energy a lot more in certain situations than others. And how sometimes it can be hard to feel your heart when you're just sort of cruising through your day, but then it can be weirdly easier to access your practice when things get challenging. It's, it, you know, it's interesting. We, so it's like, when we look around the room, we're like, I don't know, I look at this glass of water and I'm like, okay, so that's Shiva. Cool. I don't know what, you know, if that really, it's like, well, relate to it at the level that it relates to you. Like you can at least view these objects in the room and you can at least see them objectively. Like you can see them within the space that they're in. And you sort of have a more whole experience of that object. Like you, you can just sort of look around your room and you can pick out one. And, and then you sort of see it and you breathe while you see it and you like see the whole room and it. And that's pretty special, you know, like that, that's a, you know, you're seeing the part and the whole. So that might be one way of relating to that really simple approach that often comes up when we're describing this. Well, I hope that was helpful. Radharani, did you want to chime in? Well, for me, this is kind of like, uh, it makes me, this, this concept of everything being Shiva, as Tashi, or are you, sorry, actually, as you said, after Tashi shared, it's like, you can understand it, but I feel like there's some part of me, the resistance is so big, or maybe that duality is so strong that I'm actually having a lot of trouble with it. Yeah. <laughs> like I have a lot of, it's like I'm having a tantrum against it. You know, it's like, I just, part of me is just can't deal with it. And I just want to <laughs> yeah. rebel against it. It's weird. There are few things in the practice that I feel bring <laughs> a lot of conflict in me. And this does. Like, I understand the concept. I understand what is supposed to be happening. But even if I repeated this situation is Shiva, I just, mm. I'm rebelling against it. <laughs> and I think it's just that very crystallized duality that I can pass, right? Which is path, part of the path, part, part of the process. I, I understand yeah. that. But it's interesting that it just brought a lot of conflict and, and rebellion in, inside of me. It's like, there's no way I can mm -hmm. do this kind of thing. So mm -hmm. I find that interesting that my resistance just brought that out. Yeah. And I appreciate you bringing that up because I think there could be individuals here right now or listening to this podcast or watching this video later that silently feel that and they're like, oh, I'm not supposed to feel that. And it's like, no, it's, that's also Shiva, like that resistance to this concept. And I also think that this, this concept can sometimes seem a little bit like, like you're sort of blowing every, blowing off everything. Like, you're like, oh, sure. I can just say this and magically, you know, somehow I'm spiritual or somehow this is working. Yeah. That, is you know true that's sort of like that's the level if you took it at the level of the mind it would be sort of an annoying concept it would be sort of a concept that seems to be like oh i can get all the way to the mountaintop with just this one little phrase not 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 true that doesn't happen kind of but i think if you relate to it as a practitioner and you start to ask yourself what am i doing what is occurring in this setting I feel tension right now. And again, tension is essential and natural. Like it's not a negative. We know that. I feel tension right now. What is this? How, 
do I not think that this situation, like, you know, you start to grapple. If you grapple with your tension a little bit and just be like, what's happening right now? Like, like this person is really upsetting me. And I honestly don't think they're Shiva. Like you can just, you know, you just sort of feel like that. You're just like, this person is upsetting. They're being unconscious. You know, I'm sort of thinking of like settings that like stir me up. You know, nobody in this room, nothing at the ashram. It's just like, <laughs> it's this other thing, you know, that I reference sometimes. But, you know, you're just sitting there like, and you literally will say like, this one time, it's not true. This isn't Shiva. You know, that's how you feel. And then if you like, well, in my, in my experience of this teaching, this too is Shiva, like Marcella said. And I'm like, no, this too is Shiva. Nope. This too is Shiva. This too is Shiva. And for me, I just got a little bit of, it's like the, my breath could finally squeak through to my heart after a few of these. It's like it just cracks the door open. It's just a technique. It's not the solution. It just cracks the door so that my mechanism, my pro, my 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 practice could start moving because it was locked shut, you know. And so this was just like one way way in uh, for me, but did no by no means like encapsulate my entire practice. It was like a facilitator, you know. So that's that's how I can relate to this practice without being sort of like rebelling against it as if it's somehow going to solve all my problems. Well, oh, Marcella, go for it. Yeah, I just wanted to say too that like something that kind of helps me sometimes to kind of get that like breaking up and like of the tension a little bit if I can't like if I feel like I can't just like work with it inside myself is to do like that the free writing exercise and to kind of work with it that way a little bit um and just as I just like write you know just completely freely not controlling it not like thinking about it too much I usually end up getting to some kind of a place of more clarity because I feel like if I write about like something that I'm upset about with a lot of like control over the writing it just keeps building like the tension versus if I am just letting myself just free write about it it kind of like naturally gets somewhere even if it's just a little bit it like kind of just begins to like get through like you were saying mm. nice and and just to expand that possibility for all in case any of us maybe aren't like writers per se or don't consider that to be a, mo a modality that we would use any artistic medium you know or even just going for a walk but like not stopping like finding a pace and just sticking with it even for that same amount of time um you know radarani's a musician you know so i'm sure that like if she sat down and just played played music not not a song she necessarily knows or doesn't know, but just just force herself to just play, you know. Because as Patanjali says in his Yoga Sutras, when you're experiencing like heavy samskaric patterns and in the woe, the, the you're in the throes of it. Um, he said you can focus your attention on anything, and if you can keep your attention focused, you will break through. And of course, there's even more specific practices, but at its core, writing for ten straight minutes and not you know, letting yourself sort of stop and wallow in it and just writing or whatever it might be, you know, as an example of that. And I think Marcella for, like, I feel that way about writing too. And I also feel that way about philosophy and, and things like that. And I think it's up to each individual to just know like, what's your way in and then like to like use it. So thanks for sort of expanding this concept uh, and, and making it very practical. Marcella, that was cool. Well, thanks everyone for that hearty discussion on this too is Shiva. That was wonderful. So thank you. That was just really great to hear from you. We have more material to go, but we're going to take our our time uh, and do a little tension release practice between sessions. 
So you can bring the fingertips down and the floor. I'll guide it a little, but if you're good with the practice, proceed. And so focusing on the breath here, really using the pranayama gently, but effectively breathing in slowly through the nose, really slowing that down. So you feel the whole five to seven or maybe 10 seconds of inhale, bringing in some fresh, clear prana to the heart. And then pausing, holding the breath in that space of the heart, allowing the prana to really break free all the crystallization that just naturally accumulates. No strain here, but that pause should feel expansive. And then slowly releasing, breathing out through the nose and simultaneously visualizing that smoky or ashy tension pouring out of the heart, down the arms and out the palms and fingertips. So take your time with that pranayama and visualization. And the next time you're at the holding the breath in the heart, remember you can always add the wish, I deeply wish to release all negative psychic tension. After your next exhale, you can flick out the fingertips and wipe off the arms. And before we go into this new material, I want to um, get the ball rolling inwardly with uh, a little meditation that will utilize the material. It just takes a couple, maybe a minute here. So wherever you're at, you can look at a murti of some kind that's around you or some sacred image. <clears throat> And, uh, or, you know, a sacred image, again, can be a, a variety of things. And as you're looking at that image, soften your gaze like we do when we're doing open-eyed meditation. A nice, soft gaze, not staring. And I want you to just sort of notice what's occurring within you. And it's totally cool if you need to like pivot and look behind you or at a different part of the room. I, I understand that I sort of pulled this one out on you. So notice that you're looking out through your eyes, but you're simultaneously feeling your breath, feeling your seat, and eventually feeling your heart. while you are gazing externally. Now, we know this, and you can continue as I'm talking. This is a practice. This is not something you can just decide to do, that the mind will constantly float thoughts by you. And even though our eyes are open, we can actually look at a thought and be distracted from this inward half of the equation. And so we practice letting go of the thoughts. And it's a really fundamental practice for us, this ability to gaze upon a sacred image and to practice feeling inwardly while we do that. It's so common, we might not even, we might take it for granted. Um, but this is the foundation of the Shambhavi Mudra. And in our text we're about to read, Shiva gives the analogy that 
all of manifestation is the face of Shiva in the form of Shakti. So whatever you're looking at, this is an example of Shakti, a manifestation of Shiva. And so as you gaze upon this external image, you try to breathe very gently into your heart. And in that moment, you are merging Shiva and Shakti. You are gazing upon Shakti while feeling Shiva. This union is at the heart of the Vijnana Bhairava. It's literally what the Rudra Malaya Tantra, the text in which the Vijnana Bhairava is found, it's literally what the, the title of the book means. Rudra Malaya Tantra can be translated as Union of Shiva and Shakti. And so this text has even more text within this larger volume exist to help us experience this living state of being, this non-dual possibility where you can be in the world and be connected to your true nature at the same time. Now, the challenge is when you sort of have to shift your gaze a little bit, and you start to interact with your life, which doesn't necessarily look like a deity. But if you can keep feeling inwardly the exact same way you were doing with the deity, well, uh, that, you know, we would call bringing our practice into our life. So let's take a moment to put this into practice. We're going to read a quote. You're going to seem like you're not looking at a deity anymore, someone, you know, but you are. Um, Trey, would you be in a position to, oops, I had a really cool slide for that. I'll go back to it in a minute to read this uh, quote for us. Yeah. Thanks. When in one who enters the state of Shakti, i.e. one who is identified with Shakti, there ensures the feeling of non-distinction between Shakti and Shiva. Then that yogi acquires the state of Shiva, for in the Agamas, she, Shakti, is declared as the door of entrance into Shiva. Shakti is like Shiva's face. Thanks, Trey. Awesome. We can believe this when we're looking at an Amurti, a lineage teacher, etc., Right, but we have to dig a little deeper when it's you know your computer screen, you know, or whatever you're interacting with the most. So I'd like to take a moment to give this a little bit more foundation, so that we can we can see it from a little bit broader vantage point uh, by talking about some fundamental principles of Kashmir Shaivism. Uh, so fundamental that they really, um, they sort of, you might say they're like the backbone of, of non-dualistic philosophy. And these, this is the concept of Prakasha and Vimarsha. Um, Kat, are you in a position to read this one for us? Kashmir Shaivism constructs a pure monism which assumes a single reality with two aspects. Prakasha, light, the principle of self-revelation, and Vimarsha, experience the self-consciousness which brings about the world process. Thanks, Kat. Okay, a pure mo monism, monism, whichever way we say that, I'm not sure. Um, so it'd be like a single universe okay not dualistic meaning like a god and everything else but one one single thing with two aspects and like two sides of a coin one coin two sides etc these two aspects are called prakasha which is literally the light 
you can imagine it like literally light shining out from a light source like the sun or this flashlight, which I put on the bottom of the image. Or, oh, and I can help. Sorry for the folks in the room. I didn't have this quote up. And the other side of this coin is Vimarsha, which is the, it's called self-reflection. Just popping it up for the folks here in the room. Okay. Um, and so that would be what the light bounces off of to sort of, uh, that we observe. Okay. So real quick, the, you, you remember this from science class, it was probably eighth grade. Um, I don't know. Uh, but light, like for example, in your car at night, when you're driving and it's, it's rainy, it's wet out and the ground is, is wet. You ever noticed how you, you can't really see the road that well. Sometimes you don't even know if your headlights are actually on everybody there with me. And you might know the science behind this. You know, Tay Javon does. Um, and you're like, are my lights on? Oh, yeah, they're on because it got crazy there for a second when I turned them off or in the middle of a rainstorm. And um, the idea is that the light is bouncing off of the surface, this wet surface, and going forward. But normally, light is going to bounce off or it's going to hit a surface, and a lot of that is going to reflect back to you. And the road that you normally see is all the light that is reflecting back to you while you're driving. Um, it's, you know, and if you're into science, you're used to like stretching your brain like this and being like, oh, of course, yes, I, we like take these kind of things for granted. If you're not into science, you're like scratching your head right now, like what? Um, which is how I felt when I first heard this, you know, but the idea is that this reflective, this reflection possibility is critical, uh, without anything reflecting back to you. For example, that light, if it had nothing to reflect back, you'd never see it or anything in front of you at all. It would be just darkness, even though there could be a huge sun shining right behind you. But if there's nothing for it to bounce off of, you would look like you're in space. You're just in uh, dark, complete darkness. Shakti is all of the things that reflect the light of Shiva back to us. If we didn't have all these manifestations, we would not perceive Shiva. And this is a challenging thing to wrap your mind around because you're like, why wouldn't we just perceive Shiva? Why do we need these? Well, that I'm not going to spend the rest, you know, that's probably a whole nother class. But the idea is all of these things that you see around you, all the experiences that you encounter, the tensions that you feel in your life, these are all moments when the light is bouncing back to you. These are, these are actually times when you can experience your true nature. So all this manifestation, sure, it could be, it could become a distraction. There's no doubt about it. That's where we sort of start from. But as we employ our practice, objects and experiences actually become reminders. They actually encourage us. They, re, they, they, Remind us to use our practice. So this quote actually, oh, I see a hand. Yes, Ananama. Well, I loved, I loved that analogy of the light needing something to bounce on. That helped me a lot. But then I remembered and I I think it was in one of the Shiva Sutras um, that you might have asked this question, maybe during a meditation, can you hold awareness without an object? <laughs> so that. Mm. Yeah, great point. That's what awareness is, right? Without the object. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like that would be the state we the state of being we're seeking and the preface will conclude by saying that the path is not shiva the path is shakti so like the path we must walk which if we remember was the original question that inspired this entire dialogue parvati asked shiva for the sake of discussion not because she actually needed him to say so because they're both enlightened um or Shakti Ashiva, um, 
what is the path we must tread? That was the, the big, big line. What is the path we must tread? What must we do? And it concludes by saying uh, that Shakti is the path we must tread. And that middle path, the Shakti Upaya, you know, you got the, the Shakti Upaya is like the whole way up the mountain. And the Shambhava Upaya is, is when we can exist, like you said, in that state of being without necessarily relying on this external world to remind us. We can actually hold that awareness. But, you know, I'm just not, I'm not there yet. I don't know how to comprehend that state. All I know is the path is, that's being laid out before us is, is Shakti. But we're not supposed to hang on to these techniques too desperately. You know, we, we are wanting to arrive at a state of being. So thank you for bringing that up. And um, I did want to conclude with this. This is the end of, of the verse 20. So I was sort of saving it to conclude with. Um, Gita, were you available to read this last part of verse 20? Just as by means of the light of a lamp and the rays of the sun, portions of space, etc., are known even so, oh dear one, by the means of Shakti Ishiva, who is one own essential self, cognized, uh, that is, Recognized. Thank you. Portions of space are known by means of Shakti. And it got a little confusing in there. Maybe I missed like a word. Shakti is Shiva. I think I might have missed something there. But nonetheless, you see this recognition is occurring. Shakti is reminding us of Shiva. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Sorry. Thank you. Shakti manifestation is here to remind us of Shiva, to help us recognize, to recognize um, our true nature. That is just a rephrase of the Kashmir uh, Shivan. Kashmir Shaivism uh, uh, paragraph that you had up just a moment ago. It's just mm -hmm. same thing, different words. Yeah, it's like the this is like the backbone of of how our practice is possible. And yeah, I feel like we're sort of being given this like fundamental teaching. All in the preface, just, but obviously it's more than a preface. So we're going to pause there. We have class together next week. I want to finish by meditating together. We have about 15 minutes or so to, to sit. And we'll just literally pick up from here, and we're going to keep going. There's a little bit more, you know, and we'll discuss uh, where we're at. So feel free to shuffle around your seat a little bit and and feel good for our sit. You oh, I should start by saying go ahead and position yourself to be able to look at a sacred image. Um, just to make it easier on yourself. So whatever you want to see in your shine, it's okay if you're not facing the camera, any of that. So whatever is good for you. We'll take the first moment, of course, to just feel our seat. Feel it as balanced. We want to feel the spine as buoyant and light. The shoulders relaxed. The crown lifting ever so gently, as well as the heart, with no uh, effort, really.
and then finding your breath flow, making it steady and smooth with, again, minimal effort. And your gaze, of course, is natural and soft. It's a gaze that you feel you could sustain for hours if you needed to. In fact, your whole seat, your whole posture, your breath, and your gaze should all feel incredibly sustainable. your eyes are resting on a manifestation of Shiva, a form of Shakti. This is a doorway, as the text says, a doorway to the experience that lies within us, a face of Shiva, a fire upon which we put the kettle to pull in the last verse. And so feel that connection between this form of Shakti in front of you and your heart. That's what creates the doorway, is the two relating to each other. So see the form and feel your heart. The mind will drift, meaning your eyes might appear to be looking in the same direction, but somehow your awareness is not looking with it. And that's up to each of us to recognize and to work with skillfully, not heavy-handed, but to just feel that connection again between this external form and this internal experience. And like a tea kettle, it won't boil if you watch it, right? Which is another way of saying you have to be willing to do this many times in continue, like in a continuum.
you can't just say I'm doing it so this should occur, but rather you have to just invest in that direction. And what's nice about that is it means you can relax. You can play with the ability to do this practice and relax more and more and more. Allow your awareness to exist externally. You see the room you're in, you hear the sounds, you feel your body. And simultaneously, stay connected to the experience of it all. Your inner experience by bringing your awareness to your heart this observer
And take these last few minutes to allow your awareness to expand, to see even more of the room. And to feel inside with what does this mean to say all of this is Shiva? Why does this matter? It's not just a philosophy. There's something important experientially about this process that no one can explain, but we can feel. And let the eyes close for our last moments. Hopefully the practice was a catalyst to use your practice and you just feel a little bit lighter because you practiced. And it's a good time to always remind ourselves that all of this philosophy is 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 nothing compared to your practice compared to the mechanism of your practice and the the work of your surrender all of this is literally an instruction manual and that we're meant to be the thing you know that we're reading about so with that namaste Hope you all have a great week uh, playing with the material. I'm uh, glad to hear it. Thanks, Kita. And I look forward to checking in with you next week. Uh, see how it goes. It'll be fun. See you then. Tara, thanks for coming. Sorry to get to call on you tonight, but you'll be first next week.